Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 37 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as always, by Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good, very good. We're going to jump straight into part one. There's a lot to review. We're going to talk about the card that took place on Thursday at the York Hall. I actually went to this one. We're going to start with a couple of the fights on the undercard. Charlie Driscoll made his debut. He picked up a points win after four rounds. He had a lot of fans in attendance. It was quite incredible for someone on their debut. Also on the bill... Boy Jones Jr., he picked up a TKO in the third round. He moved to 9-0 with the one draw. He looked very impressive, Boy Jones Jr., landing a lot of big punches and going to the body a lot, which I like to see. He really did impress me, Boy Jones Jr., also on the bill, Joe Fitzpatrick moved to 5-0 with a points win after four rounds. Archie Sharp moved to 5-0 with a points win after four rounds. Sammy McNess moved to 5-0 with a TKO in the third round. His opponent was down three times in the third round. He looked very sharp as well, Sammy McNess. Johnny Coyle was also on the bill. He moved to 14-0. Of course, he's got that one draw. He fought tough man Lee Gillespie. Now, I tell you what. It was a good, good fight. This was a points win after eight rounds for Johnny Coyle, but he really had to dig deep. It was good. It was a really good fight to watch. And also, Daryl Williams moved to 14-0 with a points win over Adam Jones. Adam Jones, a journeyman with six wins, 15 losses, and four draws. He's never been stopped, and he wasn't stopped here. He was he was really tough as they come. That was it for the Thursday one. But like I say, I was at that event in York Hall and also the following day on the Friday there was another event at York Hall which I attended as well Charlie Duffield was on the bill he was supposed to win this fight he fought a journeyman who had a record of five wins 18 losses and two draws going into this fight Charlie Duffield 3-0 well he had too much experience for the youngster Uh, Charlie Duffield failed to win this one. He was cut above the left eye. I'm not sure what round it was. I think it was round three, round four. And his opponent, Vladimir Idrangi, I think I've got it right there. He was just, he just had too much experience for him. He, He landed the better shots and he really, he really done well. I was actually quite pleased for him, despite me wanting Charlie Duffield to win the fight. I really thought that Idrangi done absolutely fantastic. He deserved to win. You know, he was he was absolutely knackered after the first round, but he still managed to land the better shots. So credit to him. Also on the bill, Jez Smith moved to 7-0 and with a points win after four rounds over Danny Little. Leon Woodstock with some seriously um, crazy hair going on. He moved to 7-0 and with a points win after six rounds. Tom Baker moved to 14-0 and with a TKO in the fifth round. He had his opponent down in the first as well. Also on the bill, we'll be speaking to him momentarily. Anthony Yard moved to 7-0 and with a TKO in the second round. His opponent was down twice in the second round. Really, really impressive, Anthony Yard. Again, he's only fought a journeyman. Well, I say he's a journeyman. The guy he fought has only had four fights. He's only had six fights himself, Anthony Yard. But the guy he fought 
has got one win and three losses. But Anthony Yard really did impress me, as he always seems to do. Especially with the first knockdown in the second round, he sort of leaned back and countered him with, with a straight right, and it put him down. So really impressive stuff. And top of that, Bill, disappointing stuff here. Really disappointing stuff. Enzo Macronelli. 41-7 and seven going into this fight. This was his 49th professional fight. So he's had as many fights as Mayweather now. He fought Dimitri Kucha, who had a record of 23 wins, one loss and one draw going into this bout. Dimitro Kucha stopped Enzo Macronelli in the first round. Very, very disappointing to see up close. Enzo Macronelli, I think he... I don't know if it was underestimating. I'm not too sure. He just came out threw some decent shots, and then that was it. A combination got landed on Enzo Macronelli. He got caught quite clear. I'm not too sure if it was a left or a right now that initially stunned him and staggered him, but Kutcher definitely capitalised on that. Landed a few more good punches, and that was it. Enzo Macronelli went down, tried to get back up, kept falling down. He was in all sorts of trouble, Enzo Mac. And, um... Of course, Kucha gets an impressive win here. No one's done that to Enzo Macronelli. So Kucha now, 24 wins, one loss and one draw. Both those blemishes very disputable on his record. So Enzo Macronelli, I think he's going to retire from the sport of boxing. I haven't actually seen an official statement, but I know the next day he basically put out a tweet just saying, sorry, I've had a great career, blah, blah, blah. And he ordered himself a huge Domino's pizza, which I was a little bit envious of. But yeah, Enzo Macronelli, I think if he does hang up the gloves, he's done a lot for boxing. I, as he, There's no doubt Enzo Macronelli's brought us a lot of excitement. You know, former world champ, been in a lot of good fights. Of course, fought David Hay and some others. Um, you know, he's, he's brought us some good nights of boxing, hasn't he, Ayaz, if we're being completely honest. Yeah, he's he's had, he's had his good nights and obviously he's brought excitement to boxing. And obviously it's a shame that he'll be retiring now. Yeah, and of course, he's got that marquee win over a very ancient Roy Jones Jr., but it's still a win over someone who was considered one of the best pound-for-pound fighters on the planet at one stage. That's it for Friday. We're now going to move over to Saturday. We're going to talk about a card that took place in Los Angeles at the Badminton Club. Joel Diaz Jr. moved to 22-0. and his opponent was stopped on his stool. I think the referee stopped the bout in the corner before round four. So I think that's it goes down as a as a retirement from the fight. So nonetheless, Joel Diaz Jr. picks up his 22nd professional win and another KO win there. But that's it for that one in the USA. We're now going to go over to the Turning Stone Resort and Casino, top of the bill. Ruslan Provodnikov against John Molina Jr. This was for the vacant WBO International Super Lightweight title, the 140 title. Everybody picked Ruslan Provodnikov to win. I actually thought it was going to be a really tough test because I know that John Molina Jr. always comes to fight despite having six losses on his record. Um, he he really does come to fight. He's, he's a big puncher as well. I'm not too sure about his own chin, but but I've seen him get knocked down by people who can punch. So it's not like he's got a, you know he's got a weak chin or anything like that. But John Molina, uh, he, he actually he really impressed me. He was he was showing us his jab. He was a little bit like Provodnikov. You know, Provodnikov when he fights fighters who have a good jab and good movement and you know good on their feet, he seems to struggle. We've seen him in there against Algeri. We've seen that loss. Um, 
Timothy Bradley, who who was all day long a better fighter than Provodnikov, he didn't even jab in that fight. He just came to to fight him basically, and he just just sort of scraped, not getting knocked out. Timothy Bradley in in that fight. That was really, I think that was fight of the year two thousand and thirteen, maybe. But yeah, Provodnikov, he he just he just cannot. When when fighters are not prepared to stand there and trade in the pocket, he just he doesn't look. He looks very very average, to be honest. He he was landing decent shots. He really was. But John Molina Jr. was too, and John Molina Jr. picks up the unanimous decision win after twelve rounds. Like I say, a lot of people didn't think this would be going the distance. I think I said that on last week's show, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, Provodnikov, his new record, 25 wins, five losses. So it's, it's, it's looking less and less impressive by the fight at the moment, Provodnikov. He seemed to be very disheartened in the post-fight press conference. He seemed to be, he had tears in his eyes. He looked like he was upset. I don't know what he's going to do from here. Maybe he's going to make a big decision. Maybe he'll call it a day. I, I don't really know what's going on outside of the ring, but he just didn't look hungry enough. It wasn't the usual, it wasn't the usual Provodnikov. But like I say, when people use their jab and box well against him and, and they're good and they're good at boxing on the back foot, which we didn't really know that John Molina Jr. was, but he showed us some some good stuff on that night. But anyway, that's it for that fight. Also on that bill, Willie Monroe Jr. picked up his 20th career victory with a unanimous decision after 10 rounds over John Thompson. Also on the bill, Dijan Zlatikanin picked up the vacant WBC World Lightweight title. He had his opponent down in the third round where it was stopped. So Zlatikanin, 22 wins now, unbeaten with another knockout on his record. Also on that bill, really, really, really impressed me. I was I was happy to see him. I know that he had a little fight last year, just at the just at the end. I think it was December. Andrade, Demetrius Andrade. I think he knocked his guy out in the second round in December. So we hadn't seen him because there was a huge layoff. There was a lot going on with the you know promotional issues with Andrade or Andrade, I should call him. So Demetrius Andrade took on Willie Nelson, who's a good, good fighter. So it was a really, I thought it was going to be a good fight, but I did think Andrade would win. And Andrade really did impress me. He really, really did. He come out in the first round, knocked him down, knocked his opponent down. Willie Nelson is no mug at all, as I say. And Andrade absolutely won every round. Uh, he, he then put him down in the 11th as well. And then he went down twice, all from big shots. Willie Nelson went down twice in the 12th round. So he was down four times during this fight and it was called a halt in the 12th round after that fourth knockout. So Demetrius Andrade, 23 and 0 now. He was calling out the Charlo brothers. Um, of course, Liam Smith is holding his previous belt. You know, Andrade held the WBO belt, but Liam Smith has got it now. But Andrade, I cannot wait to see him back in that picture. I think he's definitely going to capture another title and he really is a force to be reckoned with. Definitely on his day, you know, when, when we when, when we see him active again, I think it's, it's, if, he, if he was fighting as he was fighting before that little layoff that he had with the promotional issues, he was definitely in my pound for pound top five, top 10 list. Definitely, without a doubt. Anyway, that's it for the Turning Stone Casino. We're now going to go over to Madison Square Garden. Top of the bill, Roman Martinez. He put his WBO World Super Featherweight title on the line against Vassal Lomachenko. This was going to be Lomachenko's seventh professional fight and his chance to win two 
world titles in two different weight divisions inside seven fights, which had never, ever been done. It had been done inside eight, but he was going to set a new record here. Roman Martinez come out. Of course, his game, you know, he tried to fight with Lomachenko, but ultimately he lost every round. He got KO'd in the fifth round. Martinez was down and counted out in that round. And Lomachenko, what a knockdown that was, Ayaz. I know you saw the fight. What did you think of Lomachenko? How impressed were you? I was very impressed with Lomachenko. I reckon, um, for me, he's pound for pound boxer because obviously he went from featherweight yeah, winning a world title after his third fight, wasn't it? A second fight? Yeah, his third fight. His third fight. His third fight. And then now in his seventh fight, he's won as uh, he's won a world title, but up in super featherweight. Obviously, <laughs> the way Lomachenko fought Roman Martinez by knocking him out, what a performance! And I have to tell you, this guy is special in boxing. Yeah, I think I think I can echo those words. This guy is special. There's no two ways about that. Also on that bill, Felix Vadejo yet again defended his WBO Latino lightweight title successfully with a TKO in the fifth round. So Vadejo moves to 22-0. As I said, I really want to see him stepped up now because I think he's a good fighter. Zhu Shiming was also on the bill. He picked up a unanimous decision win after 10 rounds. So he moves to eight wins and one loss. His win over Joseph Ajtai. Ajtai had a point off in the sixth for holding. So Shiming defends his WBO international flyweight title. And also on that bill, we had him on the show previously. Mike, yes, indeed, Reed. He moved to 19-0 and with a TKO in the sixth round, and he also had his man down in the first. So a good win there for Mike Reed. Anyway, that's it for the reviewing on this week's show. We're now going to welcome our first guest. Okay, now it's time for our first guest on this week's show. The light heavyweight prospect, 7-0 and with six knockouts all inside two rounds. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Anthony Yard. Anthony, welcome to the show. Thanks, how are you? Yeah, very good, bro. Yourself? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Just chilling out now. Yeah, chilling out. Now, as you know, I was there in attendance on Friday to see what really looked like a punch-perfect performance. How did it feel in there, Anthony? Oh, thank you. Um, it felt good, man. You know, at the stage of my career, I'm still learning, I'm still building. I'm happy that the things that I'm working on in training are coming off in the fights. Because us, us as boxers, that's what we train for, for us to um, perform under the lights. And that's what's happening so far. So I'm happy with the way things are going. The first knockdown I, I especially liked, it was it was a beautiful yeah. counterpunch. I saw some stuff in your in your arsenal that, that looked really classy. Your movement looked fantastic. fantastic. Thank you. Let's you know. Let's let's not let's not kid ourselves. The guy was no world beater, but you really did put on a masterclass. How would yeah. you rate that performance out of ten? Um, well, for myself, I just feel like I need to get better each and every fight, and I believe that in the seven fights I've had, I've been I've been happy with my performances. Um, opponents, you know, I can only deal with what's been put in front of me. Um, I've had hard times with getting opponents. Um, for this fight, I had a decent opponent opponent that had um I think he had ten fights. Um he knocked out seven of them and lost I think seven fights. So that would have been a good building um building fight for me, a, a better test. Um but the guy pulled out last minute so they had to find a last minute replacement. Um but anyway I don't really focus on that. That's not really my job. My job is to just be ready for who is put in front of me. As mentioned earlier, you've got six early knockouts now. In your honest, honest opinion, what do you like yeah. more? Going rounds and picking up you know, the experience that money can't buy or knocking people out and bringing excitement to the fans, getting your name, getting your name buzzing almost? Um, a bit of both, really, because, um, you know, sometimes when you go long rounds, 
um, is literally, as you say, that's experience you can't buy, which I feel like uh, sometimes I need. But um, sometimes it's just a punch. Like, you might hit somebody with a clean shot and they can't take the shot. Um, but, again, I, I think boxing is an entertainment sport. When I watch boxing myself, I would like to see a boxing masterclass where there's this absolute pure skill, or I like to see a nice knockout. Um, nothing's worse than you see in the fight when they're just jabbing each other back to back and then it's a boring fight. But which is boxing, it can happen, depends on the two styles that fight each other. But it's always exciting to get knockouts. That's why when I first went into boxing, I was so intrigued with Mike Tyson because he was a small guy knocking out big guys. And I was thinking, what, this guy looks like a midget compared to these other guys. But he was knocking out everyone. So, you know, there's excitement in knockouts, man. So, I don't really go in there saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to knock them out in this one. I'm going to go for the knockout. But it happens. And that's because you're landing clean shots and you're putting your work together. I'm not going to sit there and start holding back and start saying, I'm going to tap them for a couple of rounds. Because, you know, mistakes in boxing are fatal, as we know. Of course. But nice. No, it's a good way going forward. You fought three times already this year. You're 7-0 and now. How many fights would you like to have by the end of the year? And have you got any idea when you're next out? There's no announcements yet of when I'm next out, but um, I haven't really done it by calendar year. I've done it from when I had my debut. I had my debut in May last year, so it's just been just over a year now. I've had seven fights. So, um, you know, it's been for nowadays, you know, that's, that's quite a, bit, that's a lot of fights within one year. Um, so I just like to keep going at this pace. So by next year, May, I would say I would like to have another four or five fights minimum. Yeah. Now, I know that it's, I've heard that it's a bit hard to get you sparring. Um, how, does that affect your game at all? And and I just wanted to ask, who have you sparred with? If there's anyone that, that we might know, any big names that we might know, please let us know. Um, I want to say it's, it's, it's hard to get me sparring because um, I just really focus on myself. I really believe that sparring comes with, with, with timing as well as the same as when you're doing the fight. When um, I don't feel like it's, for me personally, it's all, it's all opinion. I don't feel like it's good to always have hard, hard, um, brawling spars. I like spars where you, you, you get to learn and do and pick things off and learn from what you're doing, mistakes and things like that. But I've, I've had some decent spars. I've sparred um, a couple of light heavyweights that are up and coming as well. Um, recent spars I've had with um, Dion Juma. Um, I sparred Tom Baker. Um, Nathan Keverly, I sparred. These are my most recent spars. Um, I sparred James Aguil, I think, last year. Um, Chris Uzan Jr. I sparred James Aguil a few times, actually. Um, I used to spar over McKenzie. Um, some American people I sparred. Oh, what's his name? Uh, Andrew Tabiti, who signed to Fred Mayra. I sparred okay. Michael Hunter. And he sparred in, in Fred Mayra's gym now as well. Michael Hunter, you say? Yeah, Michael Hunt, he's a heavyweight. Yeah, good fighter. Yeah, that's right. He, well, he's just gone, he's moved from heavyweight down to cruiserweight. But yeah, he was okay. an Olympian as well. Very good fighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's an impressive lot. That is an impressive um, lot, especially Nathan Cleverly, as you said. Go on, go on, carry on. Not, sorry, not Nathan Cleverly. It was, um, what's the guy that he fought over? I forget his name. I'm actually, <laughs> I'm actually friends with him. He recently retired, though, but I, I spied him. Um, yeah, so we've had we've had some good some good sparring, but um, on a day to day basis where you have the most regular spars, it's really just like you know a lot of technical sparring. I work, I do my other training as well, but you know, not really to talk too much. But I don't feel you don't really need hard sparring all the time. That's just my opinion. 
Yeah, it's all about learning, especially at this stage as well. I know that you watch the sport as well, Anthony. I know that you you know you watch quite a bit of fighting as well. Who's your favourite fighter right now to watch? Because it's again, it comes down to as you say, you like masterclass boxing, and and these yeah. days at the minute with Mayweather hanging up the gloves, there's not too much of that. There's Andre Ward, of course, but there's a lot of people just knocking people out. Your Golovkins, your Kovalevs, also in your yeah. division. Who do you like watching the most right now? Um, aside from Floyd, because Floyd would be my number one person to watch, um, mainly yeah. because his, his skills are outstanding. Um, the, the art of the sport is to um, hit and not get hit. But obviously, with Floyd retiring, I do think he might come back for the 50th, I'm not sure yet. But um, as of right now, the people that are actually impressive to watch would be Andre Ward. Um, obviously, he's been in and out of injuries and things like that. Um, someone I actually really like to watch is Lemachenko. I think he's a, he's a good artist at breaking down the fighter. I also like to watch people like you just said, Golovkin, because he's getting all the knockouts and things like that. Um, Joshua's been impressive with these knockouts, um, him being a British fighter as well. English heavyweight division getting exciting again, um, with David Hay and Shannon Briggs, they're looking like they're going to fight in September. So, um, yeah, boxing's coming back, so it's, it's getting exciting. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Now, light heavyweight isn't the most sought-after division in British boxing. Um yeah. Undoubtedly, the best we have at the moment, Nathan Cleverly, I think he's on he's on his own level really for now. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys, uh, you know, a bit a bit behind him domestically. Is there anyone domestically that you've got your eye on at all? Again, I know that you're only starting out, you're only seven and zero, but is there anyone that you've eyed up at all? Um, people have asked me this question before, but really and truly, and I'm not even joking or planning it when I say this. I'm just focused on myself right now. Um, I believe I have the ability. To, um, to beat everyone in Britain at the moment but I just need to keep focusing on myself I'm not calling no one out I don't really say I necessarily want to fight anybody because you know Nathan probably could retire tomorrow he's, he's gone up and down the weight um, he, I think he said that he was going to retire before as well so really and truly I'm not really looking at any names I'm looking at myself Anthony Yard I need to progress myself and become a better Anthony Yard and everything else will follow that's just what I'm focused on just myself yeah, no, you can't argue with that. Um, yeah. Now, of course, you went out. You went out to Vegas. You watched Floyd Mayweather train. Yeah. Have you taken anything from from watching him? Have you learnt anything apart from that that beautiful counter punch the other day? That really was a bit Mayweather esque. I tell you what, I was sitting yeah. ringside. I was in the front row. I oh, yeah. I saw it, and it was one of those punches because you lent you you linked back. You didn't you didn't step back. You just you sort of moved back laterally and come back with that straight right. And it was just yeah. it was one of them ones. You know, sometimes you see a knockdown and you're like. Oh my God! It wasn't one of them. It was just like <laughs> wow. It was one of those wow moments, you know. It's just like wow, yeah. this kid, wow. So awesome, uh, apart from apart from you know apart from using one of his special counter punches, did you learn anything yeah. training wise that you you want to steal from him? A hundred percent. I want to really say it's, um, stealing. People say that with the way that I train and the pad work I do and things like that, it's, um, it's mimicking training. Really and truly, it's not. I've seen him train. Fred Mayweather has certain patterns that he that he does over and over again with different combinations. So I feel he has about ten or fifteen different combinations that have a lot of punches in them. My combinations with my coach are completely different. I do have another um guy who that does similar to um Fred Mayweather. But I've I've definitely taken a lot from watching Fred train. He trains uh different than anyone I've ever seen train before. It's at a different pace, it's at a different rate, the consistency is different and he's always different. 
Um, when I went out there, I got to meet a few people I wanted to meet. I got to meet 50 Cent as well. I sit down and talk with them. These are all majorly successful people. And it's like they all have a, one thing I picked up off of them. They all have a, a mind frame. And that's something I picked up. That's, I think that's, that was the most beneficial thing to me out of everything. They all have a certain mind frame in terms of success and how they how they think about success and their priorities. So um, I thought like that was the main thing. I went to Vegas the first time in 2012. I've been three times in 2012. Um, I met Floyd twice there. And um, I, when I sat down, I spoke to Floyd. Just, just how we spoke about boxing and business and, you know, how, how he prioritizes things. And nothing else matters. When he's got a fight coming, nothing else matters. So that's something that I've taken into, um, into my strength. Yeah, that's good. It's good to hear you say that because, you know, a lot of people they say, you know, boxing is 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 it's a it's, it's a big mental game. It's not just physical. Okay. So when 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 people go to you know they go out to Vegas and they you know they mix with people that are at the top of the sport, they you know they 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 almost look out for a lot of physical stuff to try and you know try and replicate. But it's good that you've gone there and picked up some mental some mental addition as well. You know that's it's, I'm, I'm happy to hear you say that. Um, yeah. Again, your your division a bit exciting like on the world level. You've got Kovalev and Stevenson. Everybody wants to see this fight. It doesn't look like it's going to happen. But if it did take yeah. place, who have you got? And will the winner beat Andre Ward? Um, I would say if Adonis Stevenson and um, Kovalev fought right now, I think um, in terms of activity and last performances, I will have to give it to um, Kovalev. Um, I think you have a you have a big confidence factor going into the fight. Um, Stevenson, if you look at his fights, because he got big recent, not recently, but he got big within like his last four fights, five fights. The fact before that he had a few fights that he struggled with. And Kovalev, he's 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 a monster. He's knocking over people with jabs and things like that. So um, and from what I've been saying, he can box. So um, I think it will be a good fight. Um, Stevenson being southpaw, you don't know how he will um handle the straight left. But I, I think it's a very intriguing matchup. But I'll have to give it to Kovalev, and I think Kovalev will win it. Um, also I think if any of them fought Andre Wood, Andre Wood uh, is. There's power, there's speed, and these things, but Underwood has a very smart boxing brain, and he can fight as well. Like he, when he wants to get rough, he can get rough. Um, but I think in terms of boxing brain and strategy, all them kind of things, Underwood would be both of them. Yeah, fair point. Okay, Anthony, before before we let you go, I just wanted to give you a chance to, I know you've got a bunch of sponsors. I wanted to give you a chance to, yeah. to thank your sponsors and anyone you want to thank and also give out your, your social media um, accounts and stuff so that people can follow you. Okay, my, um, my social media, um, Instagram is Mr. That's M-R Anthony Yard, A-N-T-H-O-N-Y-Y-A-R-D-E. And um, that's the same for the Twitter. Um, Snapchat is a yard one, and I want to just thanks um, Boxing Guru. He's my social media sponsor. Um, Stamina for Soul, that's my training group, and um, Box Nation TV, Frank Warren TV. Got some. I should have some news coming out soon, but um, I can't really expose that yet. But um, yeah, for now, that that will be it really. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, Anthony, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. I really mean that. You know, we speak to a lot. We speak to a lot of guys coming up. It's it's always good to speak to a promising prospect and um, yeah. one that I can really see going places in yourself. So it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for giving oh, us a bit of time you, this week, brother. And when that news yeah. does come out, make sure you send me a text straight away. 
I will do, I will do, definitely. Take care, my friend. Thank you very right, much. Thank you. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, is the preview part. But before we get into that, we've been missing the news the last few weeks. We forgot to bring you the news piece, which is which is Ayaz's piece of the show, which, which of course, he's very good at. So, Ayaz, bring us in the news for this week of boxing. WBA World Lightweight Champion Anthony Crawler will face WBC Champion Jorge Linares in a unification fight on September 24th. Oh, what a fight. This is this is a huge, huge fight. I love to see the unification fights made. Of course, Linares come over and fought Kevin Mitchell in a really good fight. Was that the Royal Britannia card I had, that one? Yes, it was. Yeah, that was a good, good fight. And Kevin Mitchell, of course, the referee stopped it. He had a very nasty cut on his eye. And um, Linares is a good fighter, so this is going to be a real good fight. I'm not sure who the favourite will be. It's that close. Crawler's been so impressive lately. I really hope he can do it, but I can't wait for that one. Josh Wellington will face Patrick Hyland in Leeds on July 30th. Oh, another good fight. Patrick Hyland, very good fighter. Only two losses, both losses to good guys. He recently got the loss to Gary Russell Jr. We had Patrick Hyland on the show before, so we'll probably get him on again before that. But no, really nice man, really good fighter. And obviously he's coming off of that loss. So it'll be interesting to see what he brings here. But if he comes in with the right mind frame, I really think he could beat Warrington. But, of course, we Warrington a bit unknown quantity. We've seen him not look spectacular against European-level fighters. We'll have to wait and see what happens there. But that's an intriguing clash. That one is July 30, if you say I as. Yes, it is. OK, is there any more news? Yeah, and finally, Deontay Wilder will defend his WBC heavyweight title against Chris Ariola in Birmingham, Alabama on July 16th. Oh, this guy, uh, Chris Ariola. I've never known someone to to end up in these big fights for not really doing anything. You know, we've seen him. We've seen him get stopped against Stevern, and then Stevern becomes the WBC champion, and and then ends up losing his title. Basically, every round he lost to Deontay Wilder that fight, and then next thing you know, he's got a shot. You know, against the guy who beat the guy that knocked him out. I know Styles make fights, but. I really don't understand how Ariola keeps landing these big shots. I, I think he, he'll get knocked out. Um, but I will tell you one thing about Ariola. He always comes to fight for the first three rounds. If it goes past those first three rounds, I think he'll be absolutely gassed and he'll probably walk onto one. But he will come in that first round. He goes for it. He really does. He just comes to it and he just, he'll just he start windmilling in the first round. So that'll be interesting. Is that it for the news, Ayaz, on this week's show? Yes, it is. That's the news. Okay. All right, now we're going to go over to, of course, the, the previewing. We're going to preview. There's not there's not many fights to preview on this week's show. There really is not many fights coming up this weekend. It's just about two fights, so it's not going to take too long at all. Um, Juan Carlos Payano is defending his WBA Super World Bantamweight title against Roche Warren. I think I've said that right. Payano 17-0. and 0. Of course, as I said, he holds the WBA Super title. That you know, Jamie McDonald's mentioned this guy a lot, and I'd like to see that fight. Rasheed Warren, thirteen and one, he's one loss to Juan Carlos Payano, and it was a split decision loss that was in August of 2015. So the rematch is on on the 18th, which is this Saturday of June. So that's it for that fight. Also on that bill. 
Both of these fights, by the way, taking place in Chicago, Illinois. Andre Fonfara, good fighter. He really made his name by getting a close loss to Adonis Stevenson, in my opinion anyway. So Fonfara is fighting Joe Smith Jr. Joe Smith Jr. with a record of 21-1. and His one loss coming quite early in his career to a guy who didn't have a very good record. But, you know, he's got himself in a decent position, this Joe Smith Jr. He's he's kind of just on the brink of becoming in the top 15 of some of the sanctioning bodies. And Fonfara, 28-3. and three. Of course, you know, his, his most recent loss to Adonis Stevenson, but he's looked good since then with a win over... Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. and Nathan Cleverly. So I think Fonfara will come through this one with flying colours. A good fighter, Fonfara. I'd like to see him get another shot, maybe maybe to one of the other champions. But yeah, and also we should mention on this week's show, just the last fight to mention, over in Lewiston, USA, Steve Collins Jr., he's in his ninth professional fight. It's only a six-rounder at Cruiserweight, and he faces Jose Humberto Coral, who has a record of 19 wins and 21 losses. As I said, the previewing wouldn't be too long. There's only two or three fights that we mentioned there, and that's really it for the previewing on this week's show. There's not too much to preview, which means that there won't be too much to review next week. But the week after that, You know, next week's show will be the one before the Joshua defense of his IBF world heavyweight title. So that would be a good show, I'm hoping. Hopefully we can get a couple of the guys that are on that bill on next week's show. But yeah, that's it for the preview. And we're now going to welcome our second guest. Okay, now it's time for guest number two on this week's show. A trainer that was involved in a fight on the weekend. Also a trainer that looked after one of the most biggest names in boxing a couple of years back now he he was in the spotlight himself but now he's dropped out a little bit but he's happy to do that it's of course paddy fitzpatrick paddy welcome to the show how you doing brother yeah very good very good now the first thing i wanted to ask you paddy was of course you was in the corner with luke the duke watkins on saturday i know that it was one of those fights where he learned a lot from i know that there was a knockdown that he got up and managed to win the fight could you tell us a bit about that fight uh, good fight, great fight for the crowd. Um, you know, he got dropped quite heavy actually in the second round. He got dropped heavy. He got back up, composed himself. Thirty seconds later, dropped the other dude. Uh, finished the round strong. Won every round on the cards, and then stopped the dude in the fifth. So it was it was a good learning fight. You, ne- you, you never want to see your dude on the canvas, but. Uh, if you are going to see him there, you'd like to see him respond the way Duke responded. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I know that obviously you look after a couple of other fighters, Sam Smith, etc. I just wanted to get a little update on how all those guys are progressing. I know a lot of them are sort of at the start of their career. They're, they, you know, they're building their records at the moment, building their CV. How are, how are the rest of the guys getting on, Paddy? They're doing good, brother. The David Bailey fights. He's uh, 4-0. He's having his fifth fight at uh, the 8th of July in Bristol. Sam Smith is uh, coming back after torn ligaments in his left hand. He'll fight again now July 16th in the York Hall. Duke will be out again in the York Hall. And I got another two guys waiting to turn pro maybe around September time. Okay, great stuff. Now, of course, in the boxing world, we heard a bit of... um 
awful news really it was it was it was going to happen one day but it was just hard to accept whatever time whatever time it came at um the, the passing of Muhammad Ali I know that you you was um well I don't know if, I, I don't know if I can say he was your hero but I know that you you used to use a lot of his quotes I know that he was a man that you looked up to definitely um how how do you respond to that what, what's, what's your reaction to, to to us losing the greatest uh, listen, brother, um, I'm a realist. It, we're going to lose every single one of us. It ain't a, it ain't a, you know, a special club. Um, everyone's going to pass away. Uh, it's sad when it happens, but it's fully expected with every one of us. It's, it's sadder when a, a young child passes away or somebody that hasn't lived their life. Muhammad had a full, a full life and not only enjoyable for himself, but also brought a lot of love and, uh, and guidance towards other people. So what can you say? It's sad. It's sad for the people left behind. It's not sad for him. He's moved on now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know that. I'm going to ask you. What was your favourite Ali quote? Um, I don't know. I don't. I suppose the quote I say most is that uh, repetition of affirmation creates belief, and when that belief becomes a deep conviction, things begin to happen. Do you know? That's I knew you were going to say that one. That I, that's the only one I. The only one I say. I don't know which other ones I say, but. Uh, <laughs> that, that's, uh, that was the only one I heard. That was the only one I heard. That's a life changer if you stick to it. Absolutely, absolutely. Now there's a fight, of course, taking place next weekend. Um, you know your former, your former fighter George Groves fighting Martin Murray. Now a lot of people not giving Martin Murray much of a chance in this fight. In my opinion, you know Martin Murray's mixed at a higher level. Um, how do you see this fight going, Paddy? Because it's a lot closer than a lot of people were starting to think. I think that is a 50-50 fight down the middle. I think either man loses. It's going to be very hard for him to get the drive to and get up and go again. Very, very hard. It's a 50-50 fight. Uh, George has got a world-class jab. He's probably got one of the best, most spiteful jabs in boxing in any weight division. Um, he's got world-class power in his right hand. He's not that comfortable inside. He only started really practicing how to sit inside and work for the second Cal fight even though that uh, we didn't get into the second half of the fight so he could start producing that. But in the first fight, I said, we got nine weeks together. We're not going to get you comfortable working inside in nine weeks. So all we're going to do is negate Carl when he's inside. So if you look at the first Carl Frotch fight, George, the game plan was just to tie up Carl's left hand, keep George's left hand dressed in his face and just kind of nudge him with it inside. So I said, if we can't win inside, at least if we can stop it appearing as if he's winning inside. So George is very new to working inside. That's where a lot of Martin Murray's best work is done. Um, I definitely see it as a 50-50 fight because the emotions will be running high because both men know how much is on the line. I see it as an excellent matchup because they're both excellent men. Um, you know, Mar George probably, well, George does, I would have said, clearly has the more power in his right hand. Uh, but it's not always the man with the more power that gets the job done. I see that fight really changing and it'll become very interesting after four to five rounds because if 
Martin starts negating George's jab early. He doesn't have to out-jab George. He just has to negate it. And if he can negate that early on, George is going to be in a fight that he doesn't want to be in. Um, in saying that, when George is up against it, there is no better man at stepping up. I think when he uh, fought Christophe Fabrassi, you know, he didn't get he didn't get near enough respect for that win. And I think since then, think we've seen Christoph with with Callum Smith and with um, Rocky Fielding. I think it's obvious that uh, Christopher Brassi is a lot better than people give him credit for when he fought George. George went into that fight half a mile away from where he got knocked off by Carl and handled a whole heap of emotions. Uh, and he dealt with them excellently. So when it is time to step up, there's no better man than George. But this is even bigger than that. This is all or nothing. This is make or break, I believe, for both men. And... Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it in a big way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Me too. That's, I, I like that assessment, a very accurate assessment. I agree with what you're saying. I think if it goes a few rounds, which I think it will, um, it'll be interesting to see in the latter parts of the fight. That'll be interesting. Um, I know that. Well, you know, you got, you got, think about this. Think about this. Uh, um, Triple G, Martin went 11 rounds with him. Yes, Triple G dominated the fight. I think he dominated the fight. But that doesn't mean that Martin was just getting beaten up and trying to survive. At no stage did Martin Murray go into survival mode. He was always mentally and emotionally trying to win that fight. And Triple G has more power in both hands. So George has a lot of power in that right hand, especially long. And now that's not to say he can't punch with his left, but as a two-handed fighter, Triple G is more of a two-handed fighter than George is when it comes to power shots. George yeah. Martin only has to negate the right hand, the, the jab, yes, but those power shots of that right hand off, off George. And that's a whole different fight. And I think Martin, Martin Murray produced, uh, produced enough in that that you would think after that fight, I wonder what's left in Martin. But then after that fight, he had a split decision with Arthur Abraham, so there's a lot left in him. Yeah, a lot and that's a, that's a that's a cracking fight. It'll probably be one of our fights of the year. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to steal the show on the night, anyway. But um, yeah. obviously, a lot of people know that the the. I just wanted to literally just one sentence on this. Um, I know that like the the relationship sort of soured towards the end between you and George. I just wanted to know now: are you are you guys on talking terms, or is it just completely nothing? Listen, bro. He's got he's got a problem. I don't. Tells you one sentence. Yeah. Okay. We leave that's that. That's all there. you ask for, right? That's all yeah, you ask it. for, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what you get. He got a problem, not me. Okay. Okay. Now, obviously, we've seen that UFC champ McGregor was was linked with the Mayweather fight. I don't think that's going to be happening now. But what did you think of that when it was made? Because I know that obviously, you know, McGregor's an Irishman. He's a good he's a good fighter. He's he's a UFC world champ. He was just coming off of quite a brutal knockout. But could he have ever had a chance in a ring with Mayweather? Realistically, realistically, I'm not being. Not being disrespectful to him because he's one hell of an MMA, uh, a UFC fighter. He's flipping, I, I think he's flipping an awesome UFC fighter. But uh, realistically, I can't even believe you asked me that question. <laughs> <laughs> Mayweather, Mayweather is the creme de la creme. And uh, you ain't going to get 
a, a dude like McGregor who who is not who has not fought at the highest level as just a pure a pure boxer to get in there and um and give Mayweather problems. And it doesn't matter if you say he'd have the power to cause him problems. Power ain't enough unless he's connecting and Mayweather's been in there with with all of them. I don't care if people say he picked the right fights at the right time. Mayweather is as everyone knows by now, an all time great. And you're not gonna he was not gonna have any problems in that fight in my opinion. Yeah, no, me neither. Um and lastly, I just wanted to get your opinion on Carl Frampton moving up a weight to face uh, Santa Cruz. Obviously, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a challenge. A lot of people actually picking Santa Cruz to, to win this fight. What's your views on that, Paddy? I don't know enough about Santa Cruz, to be honest with you, but I'm, I'm a big fan of Carl's. I think, he, uh, I think he understands distance excellently outside. I think he's patient inside. Um, you know, I really like him. I really rate him. Um, so I just don't know enough about Santa Cruz to to make an honest judgment on that. So I'll have to pass on that one. Okay, no worries. Okay, Paddy, um, just before I let you go, I just wanted to thank you for giving us a bit of time this week. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. And um, when, when your guys are next on, did you say it was the 16th at your call, the 16th of July? David is out in Bristol on the 8th of July. And then I got Sniper and Duke out on the 16th at the York Hall, brother, yes. Okay, I will try and get to that one at the York Hall. But listen, Paddy, thank you very much for giving us a bit of time, and I hope to speak to you again soon. You're more than welcome, brother. God bless. Okay, now it's time to conclude episode 37 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I as Sumra has been I as Sumra. Apologies for not doing the news the last couple of shows. It's purely been our mistake, so we're sorry about that. But we brought you the news on this week's show. I as likes doing that, and he was brilliant at it. And he brought us three pieces of really juicy news. So a massive thank you, as always, to our two guests that took part in this week's show. The Beast, Anthony Yard. We cannot wait to see his progression here on the Box Hard Podcast. And also Paddy Fitzpatrick, fantastic to speak to him. He's just got this voice. When he's talking, you've just got to listen. He gave a brilliant breakdown of the Groves-Murray fight. Really, really detailed. Probably the most detailed breakdown we've had on the Box Hard podcast. It's actually made me even more excited to see that fight. So it'd be really, really interesting to see what happens after learning those things that Paddy Fitzpatrick told us. And also, as always, the biggest thank you of the lot goes to the listeners that make this show what it is. Remember, you can tweet us for a shout out. You can like, you can comment, you can retweet and you can follow. We're on Twitter at Box Hard Podcast. We will be back next week with another big show. As always, until then, take care. <laughs>